Good afternoon. Welcome to the Why Your Bank Sucks podcast. My name is James Baca, and I'm here to tell you why your bank does, in fact, suck very much. 2,072 amazing followers at Bank Better Guy on Twitter. Thank you so very much for all the love and support. I really do appreciate it. In this crazy week, it has been a very up and down, stressful week. You know, I am here helping people the same way that I would help people if I still worked at Bank of America. And it's scary. You know, you got people who think this is the end of the world. It's like, hey, I'm taking 50000 out of the bank and I'm going to hoard cash and I'm going to buy gold and I'm going to live in the mountains. You get those type of people. Then you get some type of people saying, hey, you know, we got to be strong for the country, for, you know, everyone around us because times are going to get kind of crazy. You know, you have some people who lost their jobs. You have some people who see this as an opportunity to invest in the market. And I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong to think that because, hell, I mean, I made a lot of money in the stock market in 2009, so I know that there is opportunity for stuff like that. But you can't think about that stuff right now. You know, there's a lot of people who are hurting. There's a lot of people who are going through a lot of stuff. And um, the reason why I wanted to do this podcast, by the way, this podcast for the duration is going to be without commercial interruption because I really want to bring you uh, just my thoughts in long form. There's a couple of things that I have a beef with with Bank of America, and I'll get to that in a second. But I um, there will be some advertisements for Anchor, the company that does sponsor me at the end of this podcast. So if you want to listen to their ads and, hey, allow me to get paid, by all means do so after I wrap it up. But, you know, what can I say? It's it's a weird time. And a week ago, you know, we were I was talking about it. I had already done a podcast about coronavirus. And I just, you know, threw some speculation out of there saying, hey, this is what I think would happen in the event of it. And I immediately said, hey, I think this is going to be you know, Bank of America's opportunity to close the doors on some branches. Now, I said that because I really do believe that Bank of America wants to push customers into an all-digital platform. I really do believe the Bank of America, um, they gold our the associates, they gold me, they gold every person in the bank who sold to enroll people in mobile and online banking. That's, that's there, okay? That's not a, a fake thing. That is a real thing. You get more credit for enrolling people in online and mobile banking than you do the actual account. So I know that their goals were there. And and the fact that I knew that this was a um, possibility was that two years ago, we started to see less and less money being delivered to the bank. You know, our forecasts went significantly down. And they said, hey, you can only buy this much um, every so often. And I ain't going to get into exactly how much, but it was significantly less than years ago whenever I ran the vault. So it was it was a real eye-opener. They even stopped picking up our um, commercial delivery bags but a few times a week. It needs to be every day. So, I, I mean, I really do believe that that was the case, that Bank of America was wanting to do that for the longest time. And, you know, as I mentioned before on many, many podcasts, I'm okay with um, pivoting to digital for a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people choose that way already. And that's just the way that it goes, okay? I mean, that's just that's life. But in Las Cruces, New Mexico, where I was a banker, a manager, and Socorro, New Mexico, where I was a bank teller whenever I was younger and in college, there are so many old people. There are so many Hispanics. There are so many African Americans, Native Americans. There are so many people who are uneducated. Now, okay, everyone has cell phones. Everyone has iPhones and, you know, Samsung Galaxy S whatevers. I mean, we've had those things for years. Not a lot of people know how to use them, though. You know what I mean? It's just like how everyone has a car and no one knows how to drive. I mean, it's something that I, I really believe in because I know I, I live by technology. I die by technology. And I know that these things are good 
for the greater good of my time. That I don't have to drive 20 minutes to the bank to go stand 20 minutes in line to do a deposit. I know that these things can be easily done. But, of course, with holds, with um, Bank of America closing accounts out willy-nilly for, you know, maybe someone depositing a two-party check into a one-party account. Whenever you have people hacking into phones, people stealing phones. I'm going to have a podcast in a few days about um, $5,000 that I recovered for a client. And I'm so excited to tell that story in long form. Um, She had never, ever used mobile banking and... Someone hacked into her Bank of America information, stole her money through Zelle, and Bank of America said, oh, it was your fault. You're the one that enrolled in online banking. Well, that's what we were told to do. So I'm here being the biggest critic of Bank of America saying, hey, you know what? You're pushing people too much to online banking. You're pushing people too much to the ATMs. I, You need to be more hands-on with customer service. Well, You know, funny how after a few days and a few, you know, press conferences with the White House, CDC, the news, everyone in the world talking about, hey, this thing is spreading and this thing is scary, you know, things have got to change. So it went from, hey, avoid groups of a thousand people, avoid groups of 500, avoid groups of 250, 150, 25, all the way down to 10 as of yesterday. And, you know, the banking center teams that I had at Bank of America were from 5 to 13 people. So 10 was a staff of Bank of America bankers at one point in time. So there's all these guidelines, and that's what they are. They're guidelines. So don't say that they're gospel because they're not. They're just recommendations to say, hey, this is how you probably won't die if you can follow these rules. And, of course, Bank of America with one teller, Bank of America with four sellers who can't do transactions for people waiting to see a teller, um, you're going to have long lines. You're going to have people who can't do social distancing and wait six feet apart. Banks are small, you know what I mean? So you're not going to have the liberty and the luxury of doing those type of things. And Bank of America knows it. And Bank of America for the longest time is basically saying, hey, go use mobile deposit or go use ATM deposits. Well, some people can't, so what do you do? You're allowing them to be infected is what you're allowing them to do. Now, this is when the chickens come home to roost, my friends. I mean, you know, it's one thing to want to have people do things a different way for your own greed and your own, you know, selfish gains or whatever. But also, there's some people who just don't want to do that. There's some people who are allergic to peanuts that say, hey, does that have peanuts in it? I prefer a dish that doesn't have peanuts because, you know, my dietary guidelines say I could die if I eat that. You know, for a chef or a cook or whatever, I'm sure that sucks. I'm sure it's like, man, I got to make something special for just this one guy, you know, and I'm doing a dinner for 300 people. It's it's life, you know. A lot of us cynics, a lot of us jokesters on the internet, we make fun of things like that. But it's just the reality for a lot of people. The reality for a lot of people now, and when I mean a lot of people, I mean the whole United States of America, is that Bank of America is making people stand in a line to take out their money now here's the thing with that you know of course i can argue forever and ever about hey have multiple tellers i can say hey you need to really hire more staff you make 28 billion dollars a year why don't you just have an extra person who can help you know in in the event that it's busy or whatever and you know i'm gonna i'm gonna just skip all that for now you know i've done enough podcasts to to talk about that and i'll sure i'll do them again sometime soon but this is an emergency now that requires certain things. So here's here's the thing that I've learned in the last few days. First of all, 
I have had more than 15 Bank of America employees reach out to my podcast, to my Twitter account at Bank Better Guys since Sunday. 14 of them have been really, really positive experiences, and one of them was a very negative experience, someone who was criticizing me, who was um, exposing my personal financial situation in public tweets to me. I found out that person was a corporate security person in Charlotte, North Carolina. We found him. I have a friend. See, I'm 37 years old. I grew up with the internet. I'm tech savvy, but I'm no genius. I was a genius 20 years ago, but I'm not anymore. So I have a follower of mine who is 20 years old. And he knows what the hell to do to find information. So I said, hey, there's this guy that's bothering me. He gives me the IP address. He gives me a name. He gives me possible people who live in that general area. I cross-matched him with LinkedIn. I found a Bank of America Enterprise Security Officer Associate. I was stunned. I'm like, man, this, like, why? 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 First of all, you're a security guy, and I found your information. Two, what are you doing harassing me just getting information out there? And three, guess what? You're, you're found out. You're caught. There's 14 other people that are DMing me saying, hey, Bank of America does not give a crap about me. Please help me or please get our word out. Thank you for spreading the message. Bank of America employees are scared, okay? So Bank of America employees that have reached out to me have said, hey, you know, we were given a box of gloves and we were told, hey, where are these gloves? And then after a day, you know, we had complaints of, hey, you used the same gloves for 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 me as you did the last customer and what if that person has a virus then i'm touching money with those infected gloves and then you had other bankers tell me i wore gloves we all wore gloves we switched them out every hour and then once we ended the day we're out of gloves and then we called our regional manager and said hey we need more gloves the regional manager said well there is no more gloves coming you guys need to learn how to make them last we can't reorder some and we can't reorder more hand sanitizer because they Sent you know a lot of branches a big gigantic thing of hand sanitizer. You're told to ration it out. Bank of America is the most powerful company in banking in the world. You can't you can't buy hand sanitizer. You can't buy a box of latex gloves. I'm sure I can go to Walmart. I mean probably not now because everyone's buying them, but I'm sure they're five bucks. You know what I mean? I'm sure they're ten dollars. I'm sure you could afford them. <clears throat> so I'm not only doing this podcast right now for the for the clientele. I'm doing it for the associates because they're they're saying to me. They're saying, hey, don't take lunches together. I just got an email from someone um, in California, and he got an email, and I I pleaded with him to send a copy of that email, and I'll block out his name. I'll block everything. I, I just want to see a picture of this email where they basically said, hey, um, associates must stand six feet away from each other. I mean, that's easy. You know, everyone has an office, or there's only one teller, and there's no other person standing next to the teller. And then, um, don't take lunches together. And I just laughed. I just laughed. And I'm like, don't take lunches together. Bank of America's whole scheduling forecast, especially with these smaller branches now, where there's less than 10 people, dictate that you cannot have two people out to lunch at the same time. You know, unless it's like a branch manager and a 20-hour teller who's looking to make up time. It's not two bankers. Two bankers just kind of say, hey, you want to go get a beer while we go to lunch or whatever? No, we can't. I swear to God, in 13 years of working at Bank of America, I had lunch with my coworkers. like, hey, let's go out to eat together three times. I remember all three times. I went to Blake's Lotta Burger. I had a chicken strip boat. 
I went to this place called my brother's place, which was our evacuation destination for my branch. I had um, tostadas and I had a beer. The only time I ever drank alcohol during the middle of a shift. And I don't even like beer. I drank like two ounces of it. I just wanted to look cool in front of my coworkers, okay? And then we also went to Peter Piper Pizza to have their buffet. It was a 30-minute lunch. I had two slices of pizza. I had to get my ass back to the branch. Three times in 13 years. I remember whenever I first moved down here in 2008, they used to go to lunch all the time. They used to be more fluid with lunch and saying, hey, you're going to have lunch with me at 1 o'clock. Let's go over here. And I used to see that every day. But I was never in a banking center when I first started or a banking center when I ended that basically allowed lunches at the same time. It just never was the case. So whenever Bank of America sends an email saying don't take lunches together, I just roll my eyes. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Most banks in your region, unless you're in some really humongous branch where there's like 20 employees, will never have lunch at the same time. So what kind of advice is that? Seriously, what kind of advice is that? Because you're basically putting people into a thought where they're like, man, my company does not even take care of me. They don't trust me. They don't, I don't trust them, I guess is what I should say, because all I want to do is not die. And you're saying, Hey, don't, don't, don't stand so close to this person and don't take lunches together. Oh, and by the way, they're not shortening hours. That was another thing in the email too. That's fine. But you know what? I mean, you can, you can be open for 30 minutes in that 30 minutes, you're going to be busy. You're still going to have more than 10 people and you're going to be infecting people possibly. Who knows how many people have this disease? It could be a million. It could be a hundred million. But the fact of the matter that Bank of America is staying open to this is just ridiculous, okay? So whenever you give guidelines like that and whenever you tell people, hey, well, here's some gloves and then it's like, well, can't reorder any. God, you're Bank of America, man. You can do this. <clears throat> so my advice, my edict to Bank of America on behalf of my employee followers now, if you can believe that. Wow, I just I can't believe how many employees have just joined joined me. And to some of the customers who really do care. Yes, I know there's some that are going to be inconvenienced by it, but this is what you do. First off, you close the financial centers. You close the inside of them. I know exactly why you're leaving them open. Guess what? Oh, it's March 17th. You know, we've got 14 days to push it, guys. 14 days to hit that quarter one bonus. Hey, James, I see you're at 85%. You can do it. Three accounts a day. Get online banking. Make sure you sign them up for direct deposit. Get that credit card. You can get 100%. You can, you can, you can fund, James. You can fund. It's all about sales. It's all about sales goals. It's all about these people who are at the cusp. 85, 90, 95%. And they want to push. Get those few new accounts to push them over the top so they get that bonus for a banker the minimum bonus is like twelve hundred dollars if all they get is the minimum with after taxes after all the uh, all the bs that has to come out of the of the bonus check you get like four hundred dollars back four hundred dollars it's nothing it's 20 hours of work for pushing yourself pushing yourself to the brink and putting people at risk it's exactly why Bank of America is there. Bank of America is there to open accounts. You know why I know that this is the case and this is why they're staying open? Because if they really cared about the financial needs of their customers, the ones, and I'll say it, I'll be blunt with you, the weirdos who are taking twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 out, or at least they want to take it out of the bank, 
then they would say, hey, you know what? We need to order ten million dollars because there's every all these all these weird people wanting to take forty thousand dollars out in cash, and they don't want a cashier's check. They want straight up cash. If they cared about the financial needs, they would adjust their forecast. Their bank would actually notice that the forecast is going to change because of all these weird people who want to just take out oodles and oodles of money, uh, oodles and oodles of cash. So I know their forecast is wrong. So it's all there to just basically dry hump these people while they're waiting in line and saying, Hey, um, I saw that you had a savings account open. Do you have a few minutes to talk to James? Maybe he could t- um, open that up for you. It takes about five minutes. That's what it's all about. It's all about sales, guys. It's all about getting those home loan applications. It's all about those small business, you know, merchant services applications. It's all about credit cards and credit card usage. It's all about stair-step movement with Bank of America. Stair-step movement is whenever you get someone to enroll in direct deposit, and then you get them to enroll in um, or to get credit, and then you get them to do investments. You get you get funding for that. You get bonuses if you get 100% of your goals for all that stuff. So that's exactly why they're staying open. Close your financial centers, Bank of America. Close them to the public. Now, here's what you do. Excuse me. What you do is you close the bank. You say, you know, effective March 20th. Let's give them a few days, okay? Effective March 20th, we're closing our doors to to lobby access. Yeah, it sucks. It's really bad. Um, Got ATMs, you know. And I don't like people using ATMs. But... relax the hold policy with ATM deposits. Here's what you do. You want to make sure that your employees work, that they get a a paycheck for um, all the hard work that they do. Well, here's here's an idea. You do something that I had to do in 2011 and become ATM freaking ambassadors. You guys still do it now to this day. So this is what you do. If If you really care about your employees and you care about your customers, you close the financial center and then you go, hey, well, what can I do for you? Well, I need to take out uh, $3,000 out of my account. Okay, so you don't open the branch, but all of a sudden this person needs to take 3000 out. Yeah, you can set limits. ATM allows you to take $2,000 out, $2,500 out, I believe. If this person cannot take it out of the ATM, then you're going to have to figure out what to do. Maybe with their consent, and there's forms to sign and stuff like that. You can say, hey, well, I'm going to go into the branch and there's going to be a piece of paper I'm going to need you to sign in order to get this money out. So let me borrow your debit card. Let me borrow your ID. I'm going to need you to sign for it. And then, um, of course, they're going to have to count it. You can request this person to go into the bank by themselves with a banker and go into an office and count it. I know it's not a practical solution. I understand that, okay? I understand that that's not a practical solution. But in the event of something like that, then you can have that. That way that person walks out and they get their money. I need a cashier's check. Well, from what I'm told, there's technology now that allows the iPads to print out cashier's checks. So you can have an iPad outside. You can help them type out the cashier's check outside and prints out in the lobby. You open the door and you go get the check for them. You can do that. Relax the holds, though, for deposits at ATM. If someone wants to make a straight deposit, you have them go to the ATM. You have them deposit their check. You review the check for them if, if you want. Feed the check in. It's going to say, hey, it's available tomorrow. Okay, that's normal. If it says there's a seven-day hold, then you know what? You make a decision to release the hold of that check. If it goes bad, what's it to you? This person needs immediate cash. The, the system will catch it anyway, okay? 
So, I mean, you can have that happen. You can have people kind of direct traffic from the outside in. Yes, they're going to be interacting with like 100 people or whatever. And yes, one person uh, with coronavirus is all that it takes to infect, you know, this person. And he affects the rest of the people. But you're not doing any better just having a giant Petri dish of customers of 30 people just waiting for 30 minutes at a time in a place that they don't want to be at. Close the financial centers, Bank of America. You can, and, and here's the thing. I, I know it's not practical in the, the short term. you got to figure it out, though. You have contingency plans, Bank of America. Most of these ATMs have like $250,000. If it's an ATM that you, the branch, actually does stuff, have the bank send you multiple... ATM cash um, bags. Do a million dollars. Do four times the amount. Relax the vault limits of all the branches so you can have four ATM bags. And if this person needs to take out $100, this person needs to take out $1,000, that they're able to go to the ATM and take it out. If you want to exchange it for bill, big bills, and you, maybe you can get the bills from them, and then you can go run inside and get hundreds, and then give them hundreds or whatever. Figure that part out. That part's not hard, okay? That part is stuff that you guys do already exchanging bills for customers and you know handling large amounts of cash this much more isn't going to be a big thing here's the deal with that of course the atms are going to run out of money eventually if you're just having everyone use them so whenever that does happen you got to just let people know saying you know folks we need to restock the atm we got to lock the doors it's a 20 minute process we got to count the money out and put it back in we will be back up for service in just a bit we're just going to take a brief break then you put that new atm cash in there Get the cartridge ready, you put that back in there, and then guess what? Business as usual again. Think outside the box. Do you think all these restaurants that are allowing takeout, you know, food or whatever, like to do takeout? They're like, no, we, we're just trying to help out, and we're also trying not to go out of business at the same time. So, you know, you got to think practically, Bank of America, but it's all about sales, right? That's why you're not closing the banks. That's why you're not closing the branches, because you can't refer a credit card to that person who needs $500 out. You can't, you can't be a nosy person whenever they say, hey, I need a cashier's check for $3,000 made out to Anderson Realty Company. So, Realty Company, are you buying a house? Well, you know, Bank of America's rates start at 3.24%, and um, there's no application fee today. Would you like to come in? That's exactly what you want to do. You want to sell that person a home loan. That's why, that the whole point, the teller transactions were still there, were to give clues on sales. Always was that way, still is to this day. That's what it's all about, right? It's all about the sales. So these people who are wanting a teller transaction, they don't know that. They're just like, why do I have to wait 30 minutes? And why is the bank only limited me to get $3,000 out? It's because that whole thing was a facade. The whole thing was a facade to just get you in there. That way they could sell you more crap. I know that because I was the seller of crap. I was the person who benefited from selling you crap. I try not to sound like I'm crazy whenever I'm doing these things. I really don't. I, 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 I'm I telling you stuff from the heart. I'm telling you stuff that I really do believe in. I really do believe that bank branches need to be open for the long term. When I'm talking about after this virus stuff, you know, for people who are not tech savvy, for people who are fixed income, who, you know, don't necessarily are, aren't able to bank digitally, much less want to. There's a need for all these places. Bank of America is kind of, you know, leaving them shorthanded. But at the same time, they keep the branches open knowing that their ultimate goal is to close them anyway. And like I said, it's all for their own selfish gain because they haven't got to that model yet where it's not um, a place where someone can go to do a teller transaction. 
where they shift the focus to all teller transactions strictly to sales. I mean, it's coming. It's not going to be anytime soon, but it's coming. And that's exactly why Bank of America is staying open is because they're not ready for that yet. But they've been planning it for years, you know, that's the thing. So, I mean, when when it get down to it, keeping these banks open is just really causing more of a ruckus because I have all these employees from Bank of America DMing me saying, I can't believe how awful they are. You know, I, I've, I've, you know, in the last podcast, I talked about some um, regional manager was complaining to this relationship banker that follows me that, hey, they weren't getting enough sales on Friday after there was a whole, hey, don't go into buildings edict from a lot of places. And they were, they were talking crap about sales. Give me a break. Guarantee you those hourly checks. How many sales do you got? Those hourly checks are still going on right now. And then if you had a bad day, they'd be like, hey, James, you got two weeks left. You got to hit that goal. Because guess what happens if you don't hit 100% of your goal? You hit 95%, you'll still you'll still get a passing grade. You won't get your funding, but they'll say, well, you did a good job, James, but you need to push it a little more to get to 100. Get below 90% of your goal and get that right up. Saying, James, you didn't work hard enough. You didn't work hard enough to get to where you needed. You needed to push. And then, you know, let's just say James is around then, but... You know, with this virus thing, people not wanting to be... I don't want to hear it, James. I don't want to hear it. You got to push. You know what they want. You know what they need. So I'm not going to get take any excuses, okay? This world is not made for people with, with excuses. You got to make sure that you push, 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 sell, 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 and get to 100%. Because if you don't fund, then your branch doesn't fund. That means your manager doesn't fund. That means I don't fund. And that's going to be really upsetting for us. You have all the weight on the world when you're a banker. And you got to make sure that, man, i got to fund because if not, then my whole bank may not fund, which means my manager may not fund, which means she hates me or he hates me, which means that branch doesn't fund, which may lead to the regional market manager not funding. And then that market manager is going to be pissed. It's like, which asshole, excuse my language, didn't do what they should have and cost me $4,000. I was going to Hawaii for my 30th anniversary. So tell me who I need to talk to to make sure this doesn't happen again because they just cost me money. That's what Bank of America cares about, my friends. Bank of America cared. They would, like I said, overstock the cash. They have the cash. They can get the cash. Do the ATM thing. The drive-up is not going to be a possibility because, um, as I mentioned to a couple of people on social media, they take the guts out whenever the drive-up is closed. It's not just, oh, we're closed. No, the whole little tray mechanism that, you know, sticks out whenever you go to the lane that's closest to the bank, they take all those mechanics out, all that stuff, and there's no way of opening that up anyway. It's sealed or whatever. And they take out the pneumatic tube, so you can't do the tube thing anymore. I mean, they, I guess they can whip them up in no time, but it's going to cost millions of dollars, and everything might be done by the time everything is done. So drive-up is not an option, so you got to utilize these ATMs. And you got to find a way to triage that. Every other every other place in the world does it. But I know Bank of America is just thinking something stupid. It's like, oh my goodness, the iPad has left the front door. That's a violation of privacy or whatever. If you hired your people to trust them with information protection and privacy, they can walk three steps out the freaking door with an iPad and help people out. Maintain social distancing, saying, hey, can I borrow your card? Use your gloved hand to get that card. Type in the card on the iPad. What can I help you with? You need to take $4,000 out? Okay, let's find a way to get this done. Okay, we can get it done. You can take $2,500 out of the ATM here 
and then we'll do 1500 from inside. I'll be right back to do a $1,500 withdrawal for you. I'll have something for you to sign, right? You can do that. You know what I mean? And you don't even have to necessarily take the physical freaking card. Say, can you just hold your card up? Okay, 433, whatever. Yeah, there's going to be some paranoid a-holes that are going to be like, hey, why are you taking down my card information? And there's some that say, hey, I don't want you to touch my card because I don't want to die. So, of course, they're going to let you write it down and say, hey, I'm going to put it in the shredder right now. I'm shredding it right now so no one can see that. I just want to make sure I can get you your cash. People are understanding. People aren't stupid. Bank of America's stupid because they overkill stuff like that. I know that was one of the, oh, the iPad just left, you know, the area that it should never be in or whatever. I'm, shut up. You can figure out a way. I, I did a podcast a few weeks ago about um, my bomb threat adventure whenever my branch had a bomb threat and it was like the Three Stooges. We didn't know where to go. We left cash drawers wide open. We left the vault, right, wide open. We were told to go to one location. Then we were told to go to another location, which was a pizza place. And then we got yelled at on the phone saying, we need to be closer to the bank in case we get the all clear because we need to reopen immediately. We get to the spot near the all clear signal. And then the firefighter's like, what the hell are you doing? It's like, if this place does have a bomb and blows up, you're going to get killed because there's going to be shrapnel all the way over here. Bank of America made us walk to this lot because, oh, we might open soon. Well, we can't open until we actually get there, so who's going to tell us that? You're not here. You don't know. So I, I saw that, and I already know that they have contingencies, but they don't know how to activate them and utilize them. I can't believe that they never thought about this, uh, a viral epidemic. I take trainings all the time about... I used to take trainings all the time about earthquakes. Like, well, if there's an earthquake, this is what you do. I'm like, dude, okay, yes, I live in a place with mountains and stuff where there could be a huge earthquake one of these days. But it's not really on the radar. Illnesses are. I got sick every year at Bank of America. You know, robberies are. There's robberies all the time. Why don't you teach us more about those things? De-emphasize the earthquake things maybe once every two years. Or at least just tell me what to do and you don't have to do an hour freaking training about it. So it's all about, my friends, I mean, it's all about sales at the end of the day. And that's why people are standing in line. That's why employees are upset. Now, the call center people are another thing because there's call centers all over the country, including some that aren't Bank of America branded, that are complaining to me as well, saying, man, they're not letting us work from home. I mean, it could be easy. I've done call center jobs before. I can sit at home and do this exact same thing that I'm doing here why do I have to be amongst 500 people who might be sick? And and I agree with them. You know what I mean? This is something that's easy to do because if you set up a computer that has Interact, yes, of course, securing bank account information and stuff is kind of weird from home. I, I understand having you know millions and millions of account numbers at your house is weird, especially if you have those call center employees that you know have friends over while they work. I've met people like that before. It's just so stupid, and I think it's ridiculous. I mean, you you when you're at work, you're at work regardless if you're at home. Okay, that's that's all I got to say about that. But you have the capabilities, Bank of America, of doing that, and you choose not to. You know what I mean? And and that's the thing that just really bothers me. Now, I heard an unconfirmed rumor, and I'm not going to speak more about what I just heard um, other than what I'm going to tell you here about somewhere in my home state, New Mexico, something about a positive coronavirus test and something to do with Bank of America. 
draw your own conclusions on that, my friends. I heard the rumor. I can't confirm it, so I'm not going to say that it's gospel until I hear from my sources. And I have a really good source um, in the place that it supposedly happened at because the person that was a really good source I've known since she was 10 years old, and she's like 26 now. So I really, really know that these are things to worry about. And I understand why people need to worry about them. And you should worry about the employees. There's 204,000 Bank of America employees. 204,000. Two times the size of my city. You know, 204,000, that's that's a good-sized city in California. You know what I mean? That's a lot of people that can fill up, you know, Dallas Cowboys Stadium two times over. That's how many people work for Bank of America. All of them have friends. All of them have family. You have five to ten people and everyone's little inner circle there. And then all of a sudden, you know, you got two, three million people who know someone who works at Bank of America who may have corona or may have been infected by someone with corona. That's that's not flattening the curve. That's putting people at risk. You need to figure out the call center things. And I know that Bank of America is freaking out and saying, hey, we could always call us 1-800 number or you can do this and do that. I know they're freaking out because if they have to close um, call centers because of a virus outbreak or something, let's say, oh my God, it, it'll be chaos on Twitter. It'll be thousands of people on Twitter saying, I can't get a hold of Bank of America. What's going on? Will that make me more successful? Hell yeah, it would. I would be skyrocketing up the charts, getting thousands of followers instantly. I don't necessarily want that that way, though. That's That's the cheap way to do it. That's the scary way. That people are so terrified about living and dying, about the virus, about their life changing, and they can't get a hold of their bank. I don't I don't wish that on my worst enemy. And I have a lot of freaking enemies besides Bank of America. Things like that you should have been planning for, but they haven't. They haven't. Banking centers open. Oh, it's, all, it's all because of sales. It's all because it's the end of the quarter, and you got to close out strong, and you got to start out strong in quarter two. I've heard this bunch of BS for years, okay? I lived it. I loved it. I loved it for a time. I used to love that thrill about March 20th, getting 100% of my goal and just fist pumping like I'm Tiger freaking Woods. I would go give my best friend a hug. I would go celebrate. I would, you know, there would be times whenever I would drink 10 years ago that I would open up a bottle and I would drink and I'd toast, you know, have a shot to this hard work that I did. Then I'd go to Vegas and I'd get more hammered and I'd go gamble and I'd go have a good time. All because I knew that I was going to get my bonus and all because I knew that it busted my ass on sales. Bank of America Associates feel that way. But there's a point in time where there's these bankers that um, that I'm talking to that are saying it's not worth it, man. I, I don't even make that much money on my bonus. It's not worth it to be talk crap to whenever we don't have sales because no one's coming in because they're afraid of getting sick. And not to mention they don't care about us getting sick or not either. It's terrifying stuff. I've already talked for 34 minutes. I got a direct message from one of my insiders about the coronavirus thing. The Bank of America sent an email (laughs) to people. I'm assuming it's an email because this person printed it out. And there's five talking points about coronavirus on this email. And I decided, you know what? What the hell? I'm going to read the freaking email on this podcast. So... Guys, hold on to your hats. It's 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 just mind-blowing how tone-deaf it is. Now, this thing was sent to employees at Bank of America, and it's just kind of a like a talking points thing saying, hey, this is what you should do. 
um, whenever someone asks you about this, that, and the other thing. I've mentioned this in other podcasts about kind of how they do this, how they try to prepare the average Bank of America associate to ask answering questions or, you know, kind of deflecting questions the way that like a good, you know, PR person does. And it's just ridiculous. Okay, so <clears throat> I didn't see the context of the top part of it, but the part number one is what is the bank doing about my financial hardship? I guess that's a question that um, someone would ask an employee. And this is the answer you're supposed to give. I'm going to do it in my Bank of America voice. <clears throat> you know, we are committed to providing assistance that will meet your unique need and would be happy to bring a teammate on the line to discuss your specific needs. And then financial centers, there's a link for something called the Client Initiated Client Assistance Program. Client initiated, meaning that they have to ask. It's not the bank proactively helping. Client initiated client assistance program. If I can get that information, guys, I will share it because that just... Everyone is in trouble, so you have to wait till someone asks for help. You have to ask like you're you know, freaking summoning Beetlejuice or what. I mean, give me a break. And then there's a contact center, which is the call centers. Provide assistance during disaster events targeting info. And I would love to know that. I have call center people that are following me. So if you're hearing this, please send it. JamesandNotoriousBanker.com or you could DM me. Home loans. And there's a link for disaster affected customers, service, or disaster overview. It's all part of this thing called Pro of Bank of America. This is a big, gigantic encyclopedia of rules. And there's going to be talking points and things that you can and can do for people. Okay, well, whatever. So, number two. Will you continue to keep your financial centers and call centers open? <clears throat> you know how, like, okay, so let me let me just rephrase that. So, you know how someone asks you a question like that. Will you continue to keep your financial centers and call centers open? Yes. No. Yeah, probably. Eh, I'm not so sure. That's a yes or no question. Are you hungry? Yes, I'm hungry. No, I'm not hungry. So let me let me let me give the question again, and I'm gonna answer to my Bank of America associate voice and tell you how they make a yes or no question so goddamn complicated. This this is true. Will you continue to keep your financial centers and call centers open? We are here to assist you with your banking needs. In addition, we are following all the recommendations for the Centers from Disease Control. Digital and mobile banking options are also available. They didn't say yes or they didn't say no. They just said digital or mobile banking is also available, which means if they said no, then you can do digital. If they said yes, we're staying open, then that digital or mobile banking is just trying to scare you, saying, hey, if you don't want to die, go ahead and use that. Just say yes or no. Will you continue to keep your financial centers or call centers open? We are here to assist you with your banking needs. That's a, That sounds like a yes to me, so just say yes. In addition, who the freak talks like that? In addition, we are following all the recommendations from the Centers for Disease Control. Digital and mobile banking options are also available. That sounds like the Ferris Bueller's Day Off thing, wherever he has the recording and the principal hits the doorbell. Oh, I'm sorry. I can't come to the door right now. I'm afraid that in my weakened condition, I could take a nasty spell down the stairs and subject myself to further school absences. See how I remember that? It's a 35-year-old movie. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. I remember that line verbatim. That's what that sounds like. It's not a yes or no. It's a, I'm going to give you a whole bunch of crap, a bunch of word salad, and I'm going to let you figure it out. 
We are here to assist you with your banking needs. Who's we, where is here, and what is banking needs? <laughs> oh my god, okay. Number three, and this one's kind of stupid, so. I am very concerned about the stock market. I'm wondering what I can do. First of all, I have never, in 13 years of working at Bank of America, aside from people who know that I used to play the market, ever had some up to me and go, oh, heavens to Betsy, the stock market has gone up 3% or it's gone down 10%. Whatever do I do? People do not talk like that. Rich people do, and rich people typically go to Merrill Lynch offices. To me, question number three is more of a referral to Merrill Lynch and to Merrill Edge, whatever the hell they call them. Actually, Merrill Lynch is now called Bank of America, which is they're, they're basically trying to usurp all of Bank of America's history of helping all the poor people by taking the name. And Bank of America is just basically Merrill Lynch now. It's just for rich people. Long, complicated story. I'll talk about that in another podcast. But... This was meant for, I guess, every bank employee, and the and the Merrill Lynch part of it, or the stock market part of it, only a sliver of associates, maybe ten percent, if that, can answer that question without getting their ass fired. You you cannot give financial advice or even guidance like that. If I was a teller and they said, "Hey, what about the stock market?" Um, I can refer you to my manager who can um, give you information about. And that's it. Like I can I can't even tell you go to James at Merrill Lynch directly. I got to go to my manager and says, "Hey, this person wants to talk investments." And then the manager who's not licensed in series 7 and all that nerdy freaking financial stuff has to set a referral appointment in their system that this person wants to talk finances with the Merrill Lynch guy. In some big cities, the Merrill Lynch guy is there, and some small towns like mine was you have to call or you have to set up an appointment for that. So no one goes in and says, I am very concerned about the stock market. I'm wondering what I can do. <clears throat> and here's Bank of America's answer to that talking point. Official Bank of America voice. Mr. Client, if you'd like to learn more, the Merrill Investing website, MerrillEdge.com, has a dedicated page on the recent market volatility with great resources for you to review. Simply click on the blue banner in the middle of the page to access. First of all, it's Mr., right? It's, it's a male-dominated society, right? Mr. or Ms. Client. Okay, whatever. If you'd like to learn more, the Merrill Investing website, MerrillEdge.com, has a dedicated page on recent market volatility. MerrillEdge.com will have the link there, but it'll also have a big, gigantic, freaking blue button for you to open a Merrill Edge account. It's all a sales thing. It, it, that's, it's all that it is. That is not helping people with a message. Oh my god, okay, so I'm, I'm going to it right now as I'm doing this podcast. This is a live podcast, guys. MerrillEdge.com. I'm going to look for this this um, recent market volatility. So I'm going to it, Merrill Edge Online Investing. Don't leave tax benefits on the table. Invest in a new RA. Get started. Get started means open an account. Okay, Bank of America Coronavirus Resource Center C details. It's a blue banner, like I said, on the top of the page. The MerrillEdge.com is a login or it's an open an account. There's a big giant red button that says open an account. And you can get stock market quotes and stuff like that, whatever. And then there's a blue thing that just popped up on the bottom. It says we are prepared and ready to help. As the situation with coronavirus continues to develop, we are standing by to support you. 
However, we are experiencing high call volumes and ask that if you do not require immediate assistance, you leverage online resources before contacting us by phone. If you have recently submitted a request, please allow additional time for your request to be completed. Basically saying we're busy, so if it's not an emergency, don't call us. Use online resources. I'll, I don't even want to click on that resource center. I might do another podcast about it. But MerrillEdge.com is a landing page to open an account or to log into your account. That does not answer anything. Concerned about stock market? Well, Merrill Edge was also meant to be self-directed investing, so it's all self-directed. Whatever. <sighs> okay. Question number four. It's going to be like an hour-long podcast, my God. What is the bank doing to help protect against the spread of coronavirus? <laughs> Okay, and I laugh, not because of it's funny, it's a serious topic, but I laugh because I just, I'm just imagining myself talking my Bank of America voice, the voice that I used for 13 years, and it's, it's, oh God, it's so tone deaf. Okay. The bank has taken a number of measures. For example, I'm holding my finger up when I say that. For example, we are increasing the frequency of deep cleaning in our facilities. Business travel has been restricted to only essential client meetings, and we are working with our associates and clients to support them in this difficult time. That last sentence, I don't even know what that means. We're working with our associates and clients to support them in this difficult time. How? Financially? Uh, emotionally? How exactly are you supporting your associates? I heard people that say that, hey, can I work from home? No, you can't. You have to be in the office. And they, they literally said that to me. They literally are frustrated and saying, hey, I don't want to get sick. So why is Bank of America not working with me? And then I see people on Twitter saying, my dad is 65 years old and he works in one of your offices and I can't believe that you guys don't allow them to work from home, blah, blah, blah. I see kids of parents freaking out on Twitter just saying, hey, don't let mom and dad die. Let them work from home. So I'm going to dispel a couple of things. And this, okay, what I'm saying here is my personal experience from Las Cruces, New Mexico, and Socorro, New Mexico. It is not indicative of all Bank of America centers, and there's 4,000 of them or something like that. So some centers may vary. Some may have more, some may have less. So it says, the bank has taken a number of measures. For example, we are increasing the frequency of deep cleaning in our facilities. <clears throat> okay, so we had a janitor. His name was Tony, really awesome guy. Loved him. He loved his Dallas Cowboys. He loved talking about the casino. I enjoyed him. I had to work late, so I got to have a relationship with him. And he worked there from 2009 to 2014. I miss him. I saw him about a year ago. He didn't even recognize me. It just made me feel sad because this is a dude that I considered a friend. And, you know, being gone from Bank of America for so long, you know, I miss these people. Yeah, they fired him. They said we no longer need daily um, janitorial service 2014. He used, to, well, he used to come in four days a week. He used to come in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Friday, now we didn't. Saturday, we didn't have anyone. And I don't know how much he made. He made a good amount considering he worked for the schools and he had a salary there. And then he worked for the bank to have extra money. I mean, this dude was rolling in the dough doing janitorial work. And, you know, did he do deep cleaning? No. You know, when there was, you know, fingerprints on the windows, he would clean them up whenever my desk had a lot of fingerprints. And it did. You know, he would, you know, get the pledge and wipe it down. He didn't use, like, chemicals, like, hospital-grade crap. He just used whatever Bank of America just left him, you know what I mean? And a lot of that stuff was just, like, Walmart brand bleach and stuff like that. I mean, it wasn't, like, heavy-duty stuff. 
you know, we had one bathroom, one toilet, one urinal. It's just a quick, just spray of soft scrub, get the toilet brush, and it's clean. Paper towels out, put the paper towel roll in there, and he's done. You know, he did that, you know, a couple hours a day, four days a week. He made a good living, and then they fired him. And then they hired these two Spanish-speaking ladies, and I, I don't remember their names. Um, you know, they weren't necessarily the friendliest bunch, um, I, mainly because I'm not bilingual, but I just didn't talk to them as much as I did Tony. I, and I don't think they, they were hired by Bank of America. I think they were hired by the the property owners. <clears throat> I won't name the property owners. They were great customers of mine. They they were really nice. And Bank of America did them dirty by closing the banking center, ending a, a lifetime lease. I mean, it's just a mess through and through. But I know that they were hired by that property owner. And they probably got paid under the table. I'm almost pretty sure of it. You know, they, they didn't have to fill out a W-2 or a 1099 or whatever. And they would just go in like at 9 o'clock. There'd be times I'd go to the ATM at 10.30 at night, and I'd see them driving up to clean. And I would see their kids running around in the lobby, and I would see, you know... I would see them, like, looking at their cell phones while they were vacuuming. I mean, these weren't professional cleaners, okay? So, <clears throat> I don't know the janitor's, you know, situations and all the other financial centers... But yeah, they do. They do, you know, spray the desks and the windows and stuff like that. It's not deep cleaning though. It's cleaning. Deep cleaning to me involves like you know restaurant impossible stuff where <clears throat> there's like caked grease on the freaking stove and all that stuff. You know, like things that take more than twelve hours to do, where you get the carpet cleaner and then you clean it and then you vacuum it and then you deep clean it again then vacuum it again that's deep cleaning that's making sure you get all the smells and the scents out they just wipe stuff down guys and that's the way that it's always been with bank of america i've seen some dirty financial centers in my time so increased deep cleaning if it's people like that that are paid under the table and only come a couple of times a week like they did i i don't see it i really don't because bank of america doesn't necessarily hire um those people who do the janitor stuff there's a property management company called Jones Lang LaSalle that Bank of America um, hires for things like that. You better ask them. I, I just don't I just don't buy it. Period. Business travel has been restricted to only essential client meetings. The only meetings that we travel to as lower level front facing customers serving associates are are sales meetings. For me, it was from Las Cruces to El Paso. I probably had one of the longer commutes of anyone is 50 miles. If you're in a big city such as, let's say, New York City or Philadelphia or Atlanta, you have a sales meeting, guess where you're going? You're going to New York City or Atlanta or Philadelphia. You don't have to travel out of town. Essential client meetings, essential like meetings for like associates to talk about goals and stuff are usually within the same town. So if you're if you're restricting it to only essential climbing, to them everything is essential. Every sales meeting is essential. Why do you have to be there Friday at eight o'clock in the morning before we open the doors? Because that's essential to hitting your goals. Why do you have to do a conference call at five p.m. before you leave to say how much you sucked because you didn't hit your goals? Because that's essential. So don't give me that crap, okay? Everything with Bank of America is essential. That's why I never left there. That's why literally from Monday morning at 7.45 in the morning till Saturday afternoon at 1.30 p.m., I was Bank of America's bitch, okay? I really was for the longest time. I had like 36 hours to myself to enjoy my life. Everything else was at the beck and call of Bank of America. So give me that crap with the central meeting. That's so stupid. 
We were working with our associates and clients to support them in this difficult time. What, whatever. <clears throat> what are you doing to support them? You know, like you're you're not protecting them whenever they're standing in a line. You're not protecting the associates whenever they're having to help hundreds of people at a time. Limited groups of ten. Well, guess what? A teller will do over two hundred transactions in a busy banking center. Oh, and here's another thing. It's not like the janitors are using lemon pledge and Lysol on the freaking cash. Okay, where's a lot of the germs at? It's on the cash. So there's a big gigantic petri dish of germs and the cash bundles in the vault. They don't have access to the vault. The vault's locked on a time lock. So what are you going to do then? Are you going to put Lemon Pledge on the one pen that everyone has to share because all the pens have been broken off and we can't buy more? No, that's a bunch of crap. Okay, there's other things and they can't have access to that ends up getting people sick. Money is one of them. Money is disgusting. It comes from people's underwear. It comes from people's bras. It comes from people's sweaty hands. They had 13 years of that. It's gross. You have to have a good stomach in order to be a bank teller. Honestly, you really do. And question number five is so weird. Okay, and this one I guess is more for associates. How are we protecting clients against fraud? Now, it's always fraud with Bank of America. They always want to think about fraud. Fraud, 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 fraud. Yet whenever fraud actually happens, they don't you know, follow through with claims and whatnot. But whatever. Here's my bank voice again. Protecting our clients is our number one priority. We are monitoring our clients' accounts 24-7 to ensure that they can transact as needed. Taking advantage of our digital services. See, there you go, selling the BS about digital banking again. Taking advantage of our digital services and responding quickly to self-service fraud alerts can help protect your accounts and give you faster access. Basically saying you're on your own. You make sure when you get that text message saying, hey, was that fraud that happened? And you say you don't recognize that, you type in no. It's basically putting it on you is what it's saying. It's not saying we're not doing anything. It's saying, hey, well, we can help you to make sure that we're monitoring your accounts in the event of fraud, but you're responsible for letting us know. So if protecting your clients is your number one priority and you're monitoring them 24-7, why does it say respond quickly to self-service fraud alerts? If you're the one that's saying that that's fraud, shouldn't you already know that it's fraud instead of having them wait to tell you? And what if that person is, for some reason, not paying attention to their bank account? They already went on their grocery run and they're not going to have to look at their account for weeks. You're going to put the onus on them? Because they didn't respond. Maybe they didn't know that anything was wrong with their account because they didn't use it. That's what used to happen to my Social Security customers. That's what used to happen to my poor customers. They used to get their money out for the month and never looked at their freaking account again. You're basically telling them it's on you is what you're telling them, Bank of America. <clears throat> and this is the official bank voice to teammates, Bank of America employees. During times like these, it is even more critical that you remain diligent and aware of suspicious activity slash red flags. For example... Recent address or phone number changes, requests for overnight cards to alternative addresses, etc. Please ensure that you are thoroughly reading account notes. A lot of associates do not use account notes. I can't tell you how little account notes are used. And trust me, on Interact, they're never used. On Interact, you can get in trouble for putting notes on there that are against policy. So people don't do notes because like, man, I don't want to get written up for something that I didn't know was wrong. The recent address and phone number changes, yeah, you know what, that's, that's probably smart for associates. You can see when something was updated. So if someone calls and says, hey, do this for me, and then you notice that it says last time updated was today, 
yeah, I would red flag that. You can see that. It'll say last updated, you know, March 17th. And then so they go, well, this person just updated all their stuff today and they wanted me to do this. I mean, yeah, that's fraud. Be on the lookout for that. That's 101 right there. Um, the request for overnight cards to alternative addresses. Um, yeah, you can't just do that willy-nilly in a bank. There's no way to do a next-day card, like click, 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 immediately next day. There's this program that Bank of America has. It's called Stacy, And the only reason I remember the name of it is because Stacy was also the name of my best friend at Bank of America. And basically, basically... You have to do all this stuff where you order the card and then within 30 minutes you got to have a manager go to some other stupid system to order the card next day, charges them $15 and you can change addresses and stuff like that. It's a pain in the ass and I never like to do that because things always got messed up, not from our end. So you can't see if there's an overnight card request unless you work at a call center. And even then, do you think those people are paying attention? Hell no. Hell no. Please ensure you are thoroughly reading account notes. Well, if you know someone is fraud or you think someone is fraud, then why, are they, why do they still have an account then? Why don't you close out their account like you close everyone else's out, Bank of America? I'm so thankful for these five questions, uh, five talking points that um, one of the associates sent me. It means a lot because this shows you how just tone deaf it is. Three of these things have sales like pitches in them, for God's sakes. Give me a break. It has nothing to do with that. The cleanliness of the banks I would question because I have been told how gross my financial center was. I have seen people piss on my chairs. We had this guy, I want to call him Manny, which is it's kind of close to his real first name. He's I, I believe he's deceased now, I believe. It's been two years, so I don't know. He was an alcoholic. He was a homeless guy. And literally... He peed in every single one of our chairs. Every single one of our chairs in about a three-month span. All of the customer chairs. He peed on all of them. The only seats that he didn't pee on were our office chairs, ones we were sitting in. We begged Bank of America to deep clean our whole lobby. It's not just the chairs, but the carpet and everything. We got it done. We got them pretty deep clean. <clears throat> Anytime I would see Manny come into the bank walking down the street because he lived in the homeless shelter, they would say, hey, Manny's coming. My job, James Baca's job, was to run like hell. And I'm not a fast runner. I'm a 300-pound man. I'm muscular and I'm buff. I'm in shape, but I can't run. I ran to the break room to get our old 1980s break room chairs. And we had one chair that we were willing to sacrifice that he could sit in and that way he could pee in. And this was the last four months of us working at Bank of America in Amador. It's the last four months until he got um, a caretaker. He had someone who took over his affairs and stuff. He'd come in and pee on purpose. I mean, he smelled like pee. I mean, it was a horrible thing. And we had to beg to get our chairs clean. We had big pee spots on our chairs. I, I swear to God, this is a true story. <laughs> And Bank of America is telling me that they're going to deep clean with coronavirus. I, I don't think so. Whether it's them not providing gloves, whether it's them not providing hand sanitizer, whether it's them allowing the customers to stand 10 deep in a line uh, with the associates there, meaning that they're breaking the CDC guidelines at 10, whether it's them handling dirty cash, whether it's not letting the janitors do their job, whether it's sending talking points to associates and saying, hey, this is what you say to customers whenever um, they ask you questions and sound like a freaking robot. 
whenever you say it with the, the way that they word these things. Whether or not you have to question whether your bank cares about you. And I, and I, man, I cared about Bank of America so much. I really did. I, I, I was a lifelong fan because they gave me a chance. And they built me up. And they knocked me down. But I, I want to believe that they're good. But when it's your bank not necessarily allowing your customers to thrive and to potentially get sick and allow the associates to get sick and not really caring about their thoughts and needs just for the optics of staying open because you've got to stay strong or whatever when it's really about sales. Guys, that's a lot of reasons why your bank sucks. My name is James Baca, patreon.com slash notoriousbanker. Please donate a dollar. Please donate two, five, ten, twenty, whatever you can. Um, running low on funds. I have a book coming out, and it's coming soon, so be on the lookout for that. But um, I really want to keep this project going because a lot of people need help. I want to just make this statement really quick. Um, we're at an hour right now. Before I wrap it up, President Trump and everyone in the White House, they were talking about an economic stimulus. I remember getting one like 15 years ago when President Bush was in there where I got a $400 check in the mail and I was 21, 22 years old. I bought a car stereo system with it, you know, subwoofers and an amp. Just bumping loud rock and rap music. My ears are still ringing to this day. I mean, I spent a lot of money on it. It was so stupid. But I was a kid and I was living at home. So, I mean, what can I say? There's going to be a stimulus. And I don't know if it's going to be $100, $500, I've heard up to $4,000. These checks that people are going to be getting just to make sure that the economy doesn't crash. And I'm scared for that. Frankly, I'm terrified for that. They're going to be giving this money out in the hopes that it stimulates the economy and makes us strong, allow us to pay the bills as needed in order to keep this thing going on while we ride out the wave of this stuff. I just want to put it on podcast, on record right now, that I bet you in a couple of weeks I'm going to be doing a podcast about Bank of America not cashing those checks unless you want to open an account. These treasury checks, these government checks that everyone's going to get. And they're going to have to go to Walmart and spend money to cash a check. They're going to have to go to a check cashing place to cash a check. I know that it's going to happen. I know that it's going to happen. And I know they're going to say, oh, we're out of money. We can give you 500 now, and then we can open an account and deposit a cashier's check and blah, 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 blah. I know that it's going to happen. So I just wanted to put that on the record now because I know in two weeks I'm going to be doing a podcast about this. Um, I promised you a Wells Fargo Congress podcast. I will record that soon. I will um, post it soon. Just of course, circumstances have taken me to here, but um, it it will be coming soon. You have my word on that. And um, I, just about the government check thing again. Like I said, I'm scared for these people because I know they're gonna get turned away, and I know I'm gonna hear about it on Twitter. Follow at Bank Better Guy. Follow me. Subscribe to my podcast. Leave a good review. Support this podcast. Support small businesses. Do what you can in your community. Do it um, in moderation, of course. Um, follow guidelines to protect your health, protect your family's health, and be strong. I know that we can get through this together. I'm going to provide you content. I'm going to provide you a lending, you know, I'm going to lend my ear to listen to your concerns. That bank better guy. So feel free to talk to me about anything, even with finances, because I'm good at stuff like that. I'm an extreme couponer, for God's sakes, guys. I know how to make money last, so trust me. We can get this done. I'll talk to you very soon within the next few days or so, but thank you so much for listening to this very long podcast. Had a lot to get off my chest, and I'm glad that I did. Um, I will see you in a few days. Um, This podcast is not going to end immediately. You're going to hear two advertisements for 
um, Anchor back-to-back right after this. If you want to list them, cool. If not, that's fine. We'll talk to you again sometime soon. And I'll be back with another one. All right, then. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Hello, Why Your Bank Sucks listeners. This is James, the Notorious Banker, inviting you to join me on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash notoriousbanker. For as little as $1 a month, you can support the Notorious Banker's fight against bad banking. What will your patronage do? You'll allow the Notorious Banker to continue fighting for tens of thousands of people who share their issues monthly with big banks on social media. I reach out and assist those bank customers myself. Big banks are ignoring customers, charging crazy unnecessary fees, and refusing to work with them. The Notorious Banker gives clients the tools to bank better and fight back. The Notorious Banker is a 13-year veteran of consumer banking with a knack for policy knowledge, fighting for your money, and helping your voice be heard at the highest levels of big banks when you're ignored. Yours truly has recovered over $550,000 since April 1st when it comes to unnecessary overdraft fees and monthly maintenance fees, claim reversals, and the like. With your Patreon membership, there are also opportunities to receive bonus podcasts and exclusive merchandise, but at least $1 can show amazing loyalty. Please donate today at patreon.com slash notoriousbanker and help support a banking revolution. Once again, go to patreon.com slash notoriousbanker and donate at least $1 today.